Hello and welcome to the Education Redefined webcast series, where I uncover educational best practices and share success stories with every single episode. Go ahead, grab a cup of coffee or your favorite drink and enjoy a few moments talking about teaching and learning with me. Hi, my name is Sandhya Lakhanpal and I am your host for this series. Subscribe to our webcast or look out for new episodes on YouTube. Join our Facebook group for the latest trends in the field of education. If you're looking to empower a student diagnosed with dyslexia and build a village of support, then you must add the International Dyslexia Association to your list. This week, I spoke with Sabine Triplett, the president of the Houston chapter of International Dyslexia Association. She took the time to talk to me about the history and mission behind the Houston chapter, the resources and support provided by this community. She also talked about the fall symposium and the spring conference, the benefits of membership and scholarships available for teachers and students, the college panel, and most of all, she addresses IDEA Houston as it has personally supported her through the journey of dyslexia and how to navigate the landscape to provide the appropriate support for her child. I want to point out the upcoming virtual fall symposium scheduled for September 25th. Save the date. Don't miss the opportunity to hear Margie Gillis talk about the nuts and bolts of monitoring students' reading progress. Click on the link in the show notes to register for the event. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Sabine Triplett. Hi, Sabine. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Education Redefined. I've been looking forward to speaking with you for quite some time now. Thank you for having me. This is a great opportunity. Yes, yes. Um, so uh, I want, I've been wanting to learn a lot about IDA Houston, and um, I'm kind of curious about why you chose to join IDA Houston. What calls you to the mission of International Dyslexia Association? Um, my child's uh, certified academic language therapist recommended that I attend a board meeting and I would get to know some other people who are also like her therapists um, helping dyslexic children. And she thought that I would learn a lot from those other professionals in the field, as well as give me an opportunity to learn how to advocate my, for myself, for my child, like learn some skills from, uh, learn about what I needed to know so that when I sat across the art table, that I would be able to articulate and ask the right questions. So that's really what, what brought me to IDA and to the Houston branch and the International Dyslexia Association. Awesome, awesome. Um, can you share a little bit about what's the history and mission behind the Houston chapter? So the Houston chapter is over 40 years old now. Um, not sure exactly, I think 19, uh, about 43 years old. Um, it was started in Houston by a group of parents who had dyslexic children and who had learned about the Orton-Gillingham method. And um, my understanding is that they were 
trained in Orton-Gillingham method 40 some odd years ago and banded together to help their own children. Once they realized the need in the city, they started a chapter of IDA in Houston and then they grew even larger and um, started the Night House Education Center. So the same parents were the impetus for all of the wonderful things we're doing in Houston. Yes, yes. um, and Night House is is a huge asset to have within the Houston area. Um, I know they do a lot of things to support students with dyslexia. Um, Now, I know IDA Houston has a lot of initiatives that kind of bring experts to the local Houston area. One of the things that I read on the website was the, sp- the spring conference and then the fall symposium that's coming up. Um, can you share a little bit about what those initiatives are? What is it that somebody can look to gain as a parent or a teacher if they choose to be part of the symposium or the conference? So, so that's true. We do. We offer two big events every year. Um, the fall symposium is traditionally our fundraiser for the organization, but since the pandemic, we've had to reformulate our programming since we've gone online. Um, and it, uh, as a matter of fact, it'll be this month on September 25th. It's a Saturday morning. So um, we'll have that posted on our website soon. But we host that every year. We have a speaker. And then we, we this year, we'll just have one speaker because, again, the pandemic. Right. Um, but usually it's a speaker um, who is an expert in the field and talks about different aspects of um, uh, intervention. And then often we'll also have another speaker who is uh, a person with dyslexia. And they talk about their journey. So we've had some wonderful local Houstonians who are business owners. We've had a chef. We've had some really interesting people give their story of success as a dyslexic person in our world now. Um, The spring conference is a a bigger event with uh, generally, you know, we have a, a, a keynote speaker and then breakout sessions covering all different specific aspects of intervention. Um, we bring speakers from all around the country to Houston. Of course, now it's during the pandemic. Right. So we've been doing it online and we, we had to uh, shorten the event also to just one speaker. Um, but in the spring, we're still working on formulating the uh, spring conference. So stay tuned for that. Awesome. Our speaker, if, if I can just tell you, our sure, speaker yes. for... Um, our speaker for uh, this month uh, will be Margie Gillis, and she's a Cal certified academic language therapist. And she's going to, the title of her uh, talk is The Nuts and Bolts of Monitoring Students' Reading Progress. And I think this is a great program for um, teachers anyway, but also for parents to, to learn how to understand their child's reading progress, because that's always a question we have across the art table or across the table from um, the school staff, like, how, how, how do I know my child is making progress? And so she's going to discuss um, 
uh, how a cognitive model framework and assessment associated with each pathway can be used to monitor students' progress. So, um, you know, parts of it will be information that that teachers are more familiar with that parents may be hearing for the first time. So it can be kind of confusing. But overall, just to to get some of this information can be hugely helpful when you're talking to your child's teachers. Yes, yes. It, it, I think it cues parents up to ask the right type of questions to see has the child really grown or are there other issues that need to be taken care of and then we need to look at that strategically right and and can can point out areas where kids are doing really really well and then there might be certain gaps that need to be filled and 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 parents can then have that conversation on providing extra support in those areas which i think is, is is key um Talking about parents, um, you also have a parent networking group um, that meets regularly and, and is, is essentially a support group for parents who have students with dyslexia. Can you share a little bit about how can parents get involved in that and what can they look to gain from that support group? Yeah, so we have something that we call the parent networking group. And uh, before the pandemic, we tried to meet quarterly in different parts of the city. So as many families uh, could access the the event as possible. Um, And we would meet and generally we would have a board member, two board members, sometimes three come to what was simply a, a coffee at a coffee shop and parents could come and talk about what they were experiencing um, with their with their child's teachers in terms of uh, what they were learning about their child's progress and learn more about the testing that they got. Lots of parents would bring their tests and ask for help understanding the, the cognitive testing, which sometimes isn't, you know, there's not enough time to, to teach every parent how to read all of that data. Right. But it gave parents um, the opportunity to ask some some questions so that that they could go back uh, ready to to have another conversation with the with the school. Um, We are a little bit in a hiatus right now until we can meet in person again. Um, But we have been uh, encouraging parents to participate in our online programming and these these seminars that we've been doing once. Uh, we're all comfortable meeting in person again, we will definitely be starting up uh, the parent networking coffees again, because um, I think there are quite a few parents now, especially after our children have had all this upheaval in their schooling, you know, we, we have a lot of questions and the teachers just can't answer them all every time. Right. Right. I, I think the gap has in a lot of ways widened because of what is happening during the pandemic and the virtual learning and, and the special populations, you know, our kids who who tend to stay quiet in the classroom, their their needs tend to get take a backseat when all of this is happening. Although I, I might point out what one interesting thing I think that that has happened that I've seen in, in our experience is that more kids were able to get intervention online because the teachers didn't have to travel school to school. So 
so it all of a sudden opened up some possibilities for us to schedule things. And, and I heard this from some other families too, where it was impossible to get the child scheduled for intervention because of their classwork. And then the teacher wasn't available and all of these factors because you needed that physical component. And um, one of the upsides for some families has been that now they had access online regardless of where the teacher was or where the CALT is. My, my son was able to complete his therapy online, um, which was actually really difficult to do in person because of the high school schedule. Right. So, so for some families, I mean, we kind of go with the with the idea that oh, everybody has has been somehow held back by these issues that we've had. It's been an adjustment, but I think for some of our kids who need accommodations, who need um, extra time, who need to be able to use voice to text, um, all of these things that are difficult to do in a classroom setting. Right. All of a sudden, it was easy peasy online. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, which the, which the, I hadn't really thought of at first. And in hindsight, it, my, now that my son's back at school, he's kind of miserable. <laughs> that he, he has to fight for his accommodations in the classroom again. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, you know, I hope there's some aspects of this that we can keep online for those families for, for whom it worked. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you point that out is is the scheduling issues. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, th like you said, there's the bandwidth of the teachers have have has increased and um, hence the availability. Um, and I've, I've also heard um, instances where um, students have done really well because of the technology, because they, they're so much more adept at the technology versus mm -hmm. sitting in the classroom and writing things down. It has mm -hmm. enabled them and in a lot of ways made literacy accessible to them versus the struggles that they face in the regular classroom. So some wins and, and hopefully we can keep those wins going forward. Um, you, I know the Houston chapter truly, truly takes a 360 degree approach, right? You've got the parents, you've got the teachers, you've got the kids all taken care of. One of the things that was really, really interesting for me was the scholarships, the, the student and teacher scholarships. Can you share a little bit about that? How can people apply for those scholarships? Yeah, so we have two very different scholarship opportunities. One is uh, John Lopez scholarship, which we're in the process of renaming um, or, or we're going to reboot that program as William Van Cleve um, Scholarship Fund. He was a wonderful educator and one of the best dyslexia therapists I've ever met. Um, and we're, it, this one is specifically for teachers, for educators. Um, so the idea for that scholarship is to encourage teachers to access professional development. They can apply, we, we grant scholarships for our programming, gives discounts or sometimes depending on the, the event, um, the full um, uh, fee. Um, and we also will be um, offering scholarships for other sorts of professional development that may not be here in Houston, like an online program that, that has been approved by IDA. 
Um, so that's really exciting. Uh, we're going to really re revamp that program now in the fall. Um, and uh, I hope that encourages more teachers to participate because professional development is not cheap and yes. educators, you know, they don't have necessarily the resources or the time. So we're hoping to, to make it easier if at least the resources are there. Right. Um, and then our other scholarship program is for um, families who are struggling to access uh, independent evaluations for their child. Um, they, 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 they come to us after they've approached your school district asking for testing in writing, doing it the best you know, we can help with this too, you know, uh, to, requ to request testing and writing and then waiting for the response for, within the framework of time set by the, by the law. And um, if the school district still denies independent evaluation, then we have scholarship opportunities. It's more of a grant um, to allow families who don't have the resources to access um, so we have the Nancy Lefevre's Ambrose Scholarship Fund, which is for families that need to access um, a diagnosis that will get them intervention in school, and they can't get it done through the school district after they've gone through the right channels and uh, requested the testing, and we can help with that. Um, but more importantly, uh, if they get denied testing in the school, in the public school, um, that they're zoned to, then we are in a position where we can offer a grant um, after the screening process for um, the families to access diagnos diagnosticians who can help with their independent evaluations. Awesome. That, that's a great resource to have. Um, I also want to talk to you about the art contest. You have the annual art contest where you're celebrating success. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think this uh, we just had our second annual art contest and it was wonderful. We had a few hundred submissions um, and different age groups. We had winners, although I think all the kids did fantastic work, but we especially recognized some amazingly creative uh, talented kids who submitted the, the idea is that they are themselves dyslexic or they have a family member or they 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 want it they have an expression that they want to make that re revolves around dyslexia is the idea right. um and so we we that our contest is generally around the time of our spring conference and when we did the conference in person, we hung up all the artwork. It was lovely. We had it decorating the conference area and uh, parents who were attending could see their children's artwork and therapists who were attending could see their students' artwork. Um, and uh, of course, this year was a little different again because our programming is online. So we posted a number of the, of the um, artwork on our social media. And um, yeah, we, we, it's one of our favorite activities. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. What a way to celebrate success instead of focusing on the negative. Um, so 
if parents were to go in for a membership with IDA Houston, what what can they look to gain besides the obvious support group? What comes as part of the membership? So it, when you join IDA, you automatically become a member of the Houston branch if your address is in Houston. So the membership is with the national organization. And then um, depending on your address, you know, you may be, if, if you're listening to this and you're in Dallas, you would join the Dallas branch. So it, we happen to be in Houston. So we are part of the Houston branch. Um, joining IDA has a number of benefits from a parent's perspective. And one of the things I like is the resources. It gives you access to publications that IDA puts out that I've literally taken those, printed some out and taken them to art meetings and pointed out things that the teachers didn't know and asked me, where did I find this? <laughs> um, um, they publish uh, the Annals of Dyslexia. I think you have to pay a little bit more for that annually, but I like it because it's actual scientific research published. Okay. And um, I found some things over the years that were helpful in my advocacy um, for foreign language, for example, you know, why my child should or should not study French. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, brought these resources with me to school also. Um, you get discounts, of course, if you're a member, you get discount for the annual conference, the IDA conference. Um, also, they have other scholarships um, through IDA that um, are all that are listed on the um, IDA website. Um, let me see. There's, uh, yeah, I think that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's that's quite a bit. That's that's quite a lot of resources. Um, what about the college panel? Because one of the things that our kids struggle with is is that jump from the support system that we have in place in school to going completely independent in college. What what is the college panel? How does how does that support kids through that transition? So that's an interesting program. We partner with the Nine House Education Center in Houston, and uh, they invite four to five college kids who have uh, transitioned from high school um, to college and they have dyslexia and sometimes uh, ADHD and other comorbid conditions. Um, and the panel allows parents, well, the students talk about their experience with the with that transition, when they have, then when they go from their K through 12, whether it's a 504 plan or an IEP and how that, what happens when they get to college and what resources are there for them in college and how did they feel about it? Um, and they're, the, the teens are, are the young people, the college kids are more than happy to answer parent questions, I find. Um, and it really is a, you know, because we all focus so much on what's happening right now, it, it gives you a really good, it gives parents and families a good um, example of, of how it goes forward. Like, why are we doing what we're doing for our kids now? And what do we expect our kids to be able to do when they, they do leave our nest, right? right. 
Right. Um, and, and these college kids are, are really wonderful when they talk about their experience and, and, uh, they're also so sharp too, you know, there are dyslexic kids, <laughs> they, they figure it all out and then they love to share that experience. Yep. Yep. There's value in learning to advocate for yourself. And, and that's really the, the step up that you have to, you, you, you kind of have to step up to that when you go to college is to advocate for yourself versus having your parents advocate for you. And it's what better than to learn it from somebody who's done it for himself or herself. Exactly. Um, so that brings me to my last question, Sabine. What have you personally gained from IDA Houston since you've joined this? Because it's been a couple years that you've been involved with IDA Houston. Has there been something particularly rewarding for you? Yeah, so I, I, since I joined probably about six or seven years ago now, um, yeah, it's been an incredible resource for me. The, the number of people that I've met of professionals, of diagnosticians, of uh, language uh, reading therapists, um, other parents, um, people who who are even like professionals who who are dyslexic and and how they are coping as adults in the world has been really um, inspiring to me to continue advocating for my child. And I think that uh, I, I created, uh, by joining HBIDA or Houston Branch IDA, I, I really was able to create a small village that would support me in my advocacy for my child in public school. Um, I think without some of those contacts, I would have been even more frustrated. <laughs> it's, right. it's an experience, right? It doesn't end just, it doesn't end just when we, um, uh, you know, leave the art table. It's a continual process. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that, that's, and, and now I'm president of the branch that for me, I, I became so involved with uh, learning about how to advocate for my son that I ended up volunteering so much that I rose in the, the ranks of volunteering to lead the branch. And uh, so so now I have the the mandate to continue supporting all of the members of our branch and um, keeping us all moving forward, um, supporting the professionals with the research that IDA does and um, helping parents connect. Um, you know, just putting the word out there constantly that 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 we need to keep our our schools moving forward and helping our children with dyslexia. Right, right. Well, Sabine, thank you so much for sharing your experience. I think that there's a lot of parents who can and, and teachers who can take advantage of the resources uh, that IDA offers and get involved and, and build a village just like you have built one because I think it's important for us to have a support system in place and not walk this journey all by ourselves. But um, it's been a true pleasure speaking with you this evening. Thank you for taking the time to talk about IDA Houston. Yeah, thank you so much, Sanaya. This is a really special opportunity and uh, we're just looking forward to continue working with you also. Thank you for listening to this episode of Education Redefined. We welcome feedback. Join our Facebook group, to leave a comment or a question. 
we look forward to hearing from you. Until then, stay tuned for our next episode.